0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
1: Hello, it's Paul Wheelock, and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast, where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And to help me do that, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Sean Bradbury. How are you, mate?
0: Not so bad. Not so bad. I'll switch with
1: you. You okay? Yeah, not so bad. It's probably like every forty fans do have half an eye on when it'll return. Like, I well, it's, it's it, obviously there's bigger things going on in the world at the moment, but each day passes. There, there seems to be little clues when it could be coming back, but there's still nothing definite is that.
0: No, no, not not a present. And um, you know, it seems to be a new kind of plan or details of a new kind of plan emerge every every few days, don't there? And I think it just shows all all the discussions that are going on internally, externally. You know, and Within the Premier League itself, within English football, FIFA, UEFA, I do wonder as well whether they're, they're putting little details of some of them out to, to see what the reaction is in the media and see how palatable they'd be. But, but, as you say, the the key thing is just you know what what's happening in terms of the government, what the advice is, keeping everyone safe, and then and then getting footy back up and running when it's only safe to do so
1: does feel, though, we'll start with our first story of the morning, that there is that desire to finish the current season. And I know on our website last night we published a story regarding something that FIFA have said, that again underlines that fact that, listen, the worst case scenario is that the season starts again whenever, but it does finish. And uh, yeah, FIFA, again, are trying to help with that, aren't they? Yeah,
0: absolutely. There was was rumblings for the last couple of days that they would kind of outline some measures that, Essentially, would mean an indefinite extension to the season, and, and what they've done, um, I suppose, it's off the pitch things really. But given revenue streams and, and kind of financial concerns for clubs, these things are, are absolutely paramount. So, we said the summer transfer window can be moved, and obviously, in the case of the Premier League, you're looking at July the first to the end of August which, which was when it was kind of meant to be. Um, so, the fact that that can be played around with is 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 good, and, and does mean that it, they're essentially saying the season can can carry on, and, and that that's flexible. And the other one, which you know, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone knows that the, the wages the Premier League players get, but uncertainty is in, in kind of any workplace situation must must play havoc with 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 people, and and obviously there's the financial situation with the clubs to consider. So they said that players who are due to be out of contract in the summer they can essentially stay stay where they are until the end of the campaign, whenever that does end. Um so obviously locally we've got. Adam Lallana at Liverpool, uh, across the park, Leighton Baines. You know, there's there's plenty of high-profile players who are, are in this situation, um, so that's a, just a, it's a great security thing for those players, and um will put some minds at rest. But but it's just a bit of certainty for the clubs as well as to how FIFA are suggesting that this situation is handled. So yeah, it clears up a couple of significant hurdles for clubs who, who might be worried about finances or the transfer situation, and and yeah, it does does look like as we said from the Premier League already, they're looking at. Um, an indefinite extension to the season um, looks like FIFA had that same outlook too
1: definitely with no football for the time being though it, it does allow us to indulge in a little bit of nostalgia uh, which isn't quite an easy <laughs> thing to do isn't it when you've got a club like Liverpool with such a rich rich history and our next story I just want to talk about is being published on the site this morning by Ian Doyle and he's reminiscing about one of the great forgotten Anfield European nights that took place 12 years ago today
0: oh, unbelievable this one I can, I can remember being in an Anfield for this one yeah it's the uh, supposedly a win against Arsenal in the Champions League. I, I, I always think back to those days, and I kind of think with it, we're, we're here now again. But under Rafa, it was mad how, how quickly it became the norm, yeah. where you'd expect this relentless march into the, the last stages of the Champions League. You know, obviously, 2005 it was was just ridiculous. But I think like the fact that that happened, and then okay, Liverpool fairly meekly went out of the Champions League the next season, but then wasn't that long they're in the final again. Obviously, this run. Uh, they got all the way to the semis. Uh, you know, it's just like finally again on the clock. You think, well, Liverpool we'll, are we'll back at that level, but under Rafa, I don't, I don't think fans necessarily took it for granted. But there were there were so many great nights that I like, think it is almost fair to call this one a, a forgotten one. So yeah, you look look back at that season, uh, 2007 eight. Obviously, um, Torres had just checked in, hit the ground running. Um, the league campaign was a weird one. I think we ended up finishing fourth. Didn't lose that many games, but. Lots of draws, um, but then what, what? What happened in Europe was just, you know, ridiculous. You had that crazy win in the group stage where a battered ship. that eight nil, um, absolute mad madness. But then they, I think they all had to win their last few games in the group to get through. Then once you did, you had those two games against Inter where didn't concede a goal, um, that wonderful effort from Torres uh, in, in the away leg, and then yeah, then it came to Arsenal. I mean, that that first leg was was a tight one, vital goal from from Couch to. Um, Get a one-one draw to take back to Anfield, but then that that game, you know, just ebbed and flow went one way or the other. Just absolute classic encounter. Arsenal took the lead, didn't he? Then uh, Hippier scored. Torres again. I mean, this was the thing. He just he, he was he looked so good in that first season, I and mean, he looked he looked so good in Europe as well. I think that was the thing that made everyone sit up and just think this this guy is, is the real deal, and, and just does kind of sky's the limit in terms of where he could he could lead Liverpool with his with his goal scoring talents. And then yes, always the man for the big occasion. Gerard stepping up and, and burying a vital pen. Babel getting that breakaway goal at the end. It was just it game that had absolutely everything—a proper pulsating encounter. And you know, I think uh, maybe part of the reason why it's it's not kind of always talked about, and maybe isn't in the, the kind of highest level of the pantheon of, of Anfield European nights, is, is kind of what happened after. Obviously, uh, being knocked out in the semis by Chelsea was was a mad one. I remember again that at Anfield the the one one. Um, so obviously we Liverpool were leading. I think Death again got the goal. This Mr York always seemed to pop up, but you never walk alone. Was ringing out round downfield, and I, I can never remember that being punctured as kind of as, as terribly as when uh, his own goal went. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's just you know. I and, and then again, I mean that that uh, that just the away leg at uh, that, that Stamford Bridge was was another crazy, ridiculous game. But I think if if Liverpool got through and obviously you know maybe gone on to the final and, and, and gone on to win it, I think. These, that whole run would would be possibly even unrivalled in terms of you know <laughs> the games against Inter and then Arsenal and Chelsea. If, if they got through that, it could have been one of one of the great runs. But yeah, maybe it's just it's knocked down the pecking order a little bit just because of because of you know how how it played out against Chelsea.
1: Definitely. If uh, anyone's listening to this, well, whoever is listening to this, definitely get uh, have get a chance to to read the story on the site. There's some great quotes from Steven Gerrard and Fernando Torres in there, it actually underlines just how big a night it was in their careers as well. Uh, I do wonder whether a certain team over there will be thinking that he'll ever get a chance to experience one bit of a seamless link here. But I think it's uh, pretty clear that the Leipzig striker is interested in joining Liverpool. And our sister paper, the Mirror, are reporting via Sport in Spain, that a move could be a bit closer.
0: Yeah, so, so they're saying uh, a boost uh, is, is the typical transfer word for, for the Reds Yeah, apparently yeah, Inter have been knocked back in, in terms of an attempt to sign him from, from Leipzig Yeah, I mean all, all the suggestions from national media here and certainly the press in Germany are put towards Liverpool leading the race if you like and yeah the suggestion here is that Inter into turns away because a deal with Liverpool is apparently almost done um, Well, yeah we'll say I think like we were talking about before with FIFA's decisions it's it did did look like a few weeks ago. You know, you know all, all the flirtations from from Werners saying Liverpool are best team in the world, and obviously Klopp's response to that was a bit kept his cards close to his chest. But he said, "Oh, it's very nice when players say things that, like that about you." And um, yeah, I mean, you know the Echo reported that he was certainly kind of on the short list as a as a kind of possible target, and Liverpool had a decision to make about whether they they made their interests uh, firm and, and and did go for him. Yeah, so it, it did certainly seem poised to do that. But I just think now that the, the transfer landscape has just changed so much, hasn't it? And you kind of feel, how could the club at this stage enter into negotiations for a deal that would be that big? Um, I think part of my thinking for when it was always, well, um, just with the summer tournaments, like the the Olympics, which obviously is now been been postponed, and then you've got the Africa Cup of Nations, which is I think is still at this stage set to happen um, early next year. I kind of thought, well... Liverpool's front three are gonna be a bit of a bit of a breather and uh, and all that type of thing, but I don't know. You know, some some of that maybe this question a little bit now with 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 the suspension and what's happening. But then obviously the, the counter argument is that the longer things go on, you know, um, when is when is a young player, isn't he? And, and Liverpool are at some point gonna gonna need to kind of bolster that forward line. So so yeah, I mean, we'll see if if this is true that Inter have been knocked back and. And Liverpool are in advanced negotiations. Perhaps that was something that was maybe in place from from the weeks that have that have just gone by. So, um, yeah, no, no doubt, will be on the shortlist, and, and when when the transfer situation clears up, uh, maybe this is one that will be revisited.
1: Definitely. I think we have to do place everything into context and again, what's happening in the world at the moment, everything's going on the back burner light like transfers, but the, the gossip keeps coming. And just a final one, Marker, another Spanish publication is saying that Liverpool are interested in Diego Carlos. Uh, if, if you want to learn more about the, uh, the player, Matt Addison spoke to a Spanish football expert for a podcast that you can now listen to on the blood red channel. I won't, Basically, ask you about the player, or what you think it's happening? But it does feel like, of course, this succession planning, of course, this planning still going in place, like any business does, and it, it does feel like Sean that maybe Jurgen Klopp, Michael Edwards, are looking for another centre back with the possibility of maybe Day and Lover and leaving when we do get back to playing football when the transfer market does reopen again.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that that is a, a position they will they will address. lot and almost almost left them um, uh, previously, didn't he? With with Roman and several Serie clubs linked, and yeah, I think that that's something that's going to happen. It's an interesting one with Carlos, I like thought you say, I must be honest, I've not seen him play that much, but the talk has been building over the last few weeks, and like you say, the Spanish media are saying them full of safety interest. I think the player himself have been saying, you know, if he does leave one day, it'll be for one of the top teams in the world. Obviously, he does look for all the world, like the type of profile a player who could could come to Liverpool. I, I just wonder though, because I think he only joined Sevilla, um, last season for around £13 million. And all the reports suggest he's got a, a whopping release clause in his contract, like upwards of £60 million. I just think, you look at Liverpool's situation, let's say Lovren goes, you know, Matip's still there. And obviously, the, the first-choice centre-back partnership, you would think, is, is obviously Van Dijk and, and Joe Gomez. So, a player of, of the stature of, of Carlos, I think he's 27, you know, he's impressing in one of the, the best leagues in the world and no doubt catching the eye of some of the, the biggest Spanish clubs too. Almost feel like he, he comes in. What, what does that mean for Gomez? And, and to an extent, it too, because you know Gomez, twenty-two years of age. Van Dyke did a little Q and A on Twitter the other day, and, and almost without hesitation, he said, "Who's the best centre-back player you've you played with?" He just said, "Yeah, Joe Gomez." So, if if you've got the best defender in the world, in my view, saying this this young lad who's you know you must still remember is still kind of at the start of his career, really, despite the, the level he's, he's already shown and the, the level of games he's already played that. Um, yeah, I wonder whether a big money move, which you know that would be for someone like Carlos, whether that's the right kind of profile, the right end of the transfer market at this stage to be going for for a centre back. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, beyond beyond those those four names we mentioned, it it is a little bit thin, isn't it? A present, obviously, Matt, Matt Phillips has had to come back and do a job. You've got Seth Vandenberg, but whether they whether they're ready to kind of step into that role that Lovren's in, um, I don't know. But yeah, I'd, I'd, all in all, I'd, I'd wonder whether it will be a kind of 10 to 20 male centre-back, maybe someone who's who's establishing rather than established, um, who can come in and and fill that love and roll.
1: Agreed, mate. We'll be back in the morning with your latest bulletin, but for now, thanks very much for joining me, Sean.
0: No problems.
1: And thanks very much for listening at home or at work, and have a good day.
0: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.